Welcome to the worship podcast of Grace Episcopal Church in Newton, Massachusetts for Sunday, February 28th, 2021. Wherever you are on your spiritual journey, you are welcome at God's altar at Grace Church. I'm Regina Walton, pastor and rector. Thanks for being with us this morning. And we draw your attention to the fact that this week we will be releasing a calendar of events for Holy Week. Uh, we're in hybrid mode, so some of those will be online, some of those will be outside and distanced in person. Uh, we're looking forward to commemorating Bishop Barbara Harris, who passed away just about a year ago, and we will commemorate her life and celebrate her on Sunday, March 14th uh, in our worship service that day. Also, March 21st, please know that we'll be joined by Bishop Gates, our diocesan bishop, uh, for his uh, visitation, which was supposed to be last April, but has now been rescheduled, and he'll join us um, on Zoom and be here at church, hopefully for Outdoor Eucharist as well. We're also hoping soon to start up Outdoor Eucharist again. Stay tuned for news about that. Our goal is to begin uh, next Sunday at 1 o'clock, uh, March 7th, and to continue having Outdoor Eucharist at 1 p.m., um, except in cases of inclement weather. So stay tuned to Gary for Grace Today information. Uh, if you'd like to subscribe to Grace Today, you can do that through our website, gracenewton.org. Thank you, and have a blessed week. The Lord be with you. Let us pray. O God, whose glory it is always to have mercy, be gracious to all who have gone astray from your ways and bring them again with penitent hearts and steadfast faith to embrace and hold fast the unchangeable truth of your word, Jesus Christ, your Son, who with you and the Holy Spirit lives and reigns, one God, forever and ever. Amen. The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to Mark. Glory to you, Lord Christ. Jesus began to teach his disciples that the Son of Man must undergo great suffering and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the scribes, and be killed, and after three days rise again. He said all this quite openly, and Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But turning and looking at his disciples, he rebuked Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan, for you are setting your mind not on divine things, but on human things. He called the crowd with his disciples and said to them, If any want to become my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For those who want to save their life will lose it, and those who lose their life for my sake and for the sake of the gospel will save it. For what will it profit them to gain the whole world and forfeit their life? Indeed, what can they give in return for their life? Those who are ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of them the Son of Man will also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, 
Lord Christ. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be found acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. There are weeks when I think that the gospel should come with a difficulty rating or a warning label. And this is one of those weeks. The difficulty rating of Mark chapter 8 verses 31 through 38 should be extremely challenging. The warning label should read that this gospel contains explicit content. Approach with fear and trembling. Adding to our challenge as hearers and doers of the word, adding to our challenge as those marked as Christ's own forever through the waters of baptism, adding to our challenge as those who seek to understand what it is that the Lord desires of us, is that this gospel is not advanced. This gospel is not for specialists or for theologians only. It's not something we have to worry about only when we are spiritually mature or very far along in the Christian faith. No, Jesus gave this teaching to his disciples and to the crowds when they were just trying to understand who he was. This is part of the introductory material of what it means to follow Jesus. This is before the midterm, this gospel. Jesus has been traveling around healing, teaching, doing miracles, attracting a following. He's just beginning to be known. He has been proclaiming that the kingdom of God has come near in a new way and that this is the time to repent and to believe in the good news that God is going to turn the collective sorrow of the Jewish people living under empire into rejoicing that they are going to experience liberation and the power of God's love in a new way. And just before this passage, Peter, who always has his hand in the air first, Peter answers the $50 million question of who Jesus is and says that Jesus is the Messiah. And it must have felt to the disciples that they were on this unstoppable train being with Jesus, seeing who he was and what he could do, seeing how he could heal people and reveal God's presence to them, and name so precisely what was broken in the world in which they lived and call out hypocrisy, how he could radiate God's love and make it so real to people. And they got to be there for that. They got a front row seat for everything that Jesus said and did. How amazing it must have been for them to see that moment that their ancestors had waited for, to be alive, to recognize the fulfillment of all that the ancient prophets had preached. And then Mark chapter eight, verses 31 to 38, like a bomb dropped 2000 years ago, that's still exploding like a coal taken out of the fire with tongs, and all these millennia later, it's still too hot for us to touch. That's this passage. Then he began to teach them that the Son of Man must undergo great suffering 
and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the scribes, and be killed, and after three days rise again. He said all this quite openly. And Peter says, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> There's going to be a lot of sermons today in the, in the universal church all about how Peter didn't get it and Peter didn't understand. But Peter was Jesus' best student. Peter was all in. Peter had been paying attention. And this teaching was news to him, and it was not good news. This was so far afield of what Peter had been experiencing in his travels with Jesus up to that point that he pulled him aside to tell him that he was wrong. He was wrong about who he was. Jesus then rebukes Peter and, and then really drops the bomb. He had told them what was going to happen to him, to Jesus. And now he tells the disciples and the crowds, anyone else who happens to be standing around, what their part in all this is going to be. If any want to become my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For those who want to save their life will lose it, and those who lose their life for my sake and for the sake of the gospel will save it. For what will it profit them to gain the whole world and forfeit their life? What a scandal. Deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. Remember that the cross here is not a symbol. It's not an abstraction. The cross is an implement of death wielded by the state in contemptuous, very public spectacles of capital punishment, as one biblical scholar says. The cross was the perfect propaganda machine of the Roman Empire. Such cunning and cruel simplicity. The condemned had to carry the crude instrument of their torture and death in a public procession, in a parade of shame. That was crucifixion. Following Jesus involves choosing this. Take up your cross. Crosses were forced on people. No one chose this. There was no choice involved. What a completely scandalous saying. What are we to do with this in the church? How, how are we to live with this? Deny yourselves, take up your cross, and follow me. Matthew Skinner, a biblical scholar who wrote a very illuminating essay on this passage, wrote that to understand what Jesus is talking about when he says, deny yourself, we have to look to the end of the gospel at Peter's denial of Jesus. This is the only other time in Mark that the Greek verb to deny is used. And you remember when Jesus is taken away to be crucified, Peter denies him three times. And Matthew Skinner says that Peter's denial of Jesus has three qualities. It is complete, it is final, and it is public. It is complete in that by the third time that Peter denies Christ, he has denied 
not just being associated with Jesus, but he denies that he knows him at all. He's completely separated himself from Jesus and everything that Jesus stands for. He's put it far away. It's a complete break. It is final. Although we know at the end of the story, after the resurrection, that Jesus forgives Peter. And Peter's denial is also public. This is in a crowd. There's many people there to witness his denial. And so when Jesus says, if any want to be my followers, they must deny themselves. They must deny themselves. This is what he means. He means a complete renunciation of obligation to self for the sake of the gospel. And that's why this gets a five-star difficulty rating. How are we to accept this? What Jesus is describing goes beyond self-discipline or even asceticism. And remember, too, Jesus has been spending his time healing and teaching and feeding people. He's been giving good things to people. He's hardly been encouraging self-annihilation among the people that he has been with. He's been improving people's lives, and he's been doing this as a sign of the coming kingdom of God. He is against suffering and against injustice. So that tells us something about the self-denial that he's talking about, which is that it does not end with itself. Self-denial means recognizing that the claims of the gospel are greater than the claims of the normal things that humans care about, security, respectability, advancement. The claims of the gospel are greater than these things on us, or they should be. And taking up one's cross is a sign of this. As with most of Jesus' teachings, there is a significant element of paradox here. Matthew Skinner writes, cross bearers embrace a way of life that threatens the existence of the ideologies of this world that perpetuate the oppression of human souls. And when I read that, I thought, finally, this is the part that's for us. This is the part that I can latch onto for us as we're trying to understand. Cross bearers, us, embrace a way of life that threatens the existence of the ideologies of this world that perpetuate the oppression of human souls. We, the baptized, are cross-bearers. Do we embrace a way of life that threatens the existence of the ideologies of this world that perpetuate the oppression of human souls? That's the question that we Christians need to give our lives to answering in the affirmative. And we should answer it knowing, as Jesus said, that there's a tremendous cost to living this way. To live this way is to break with the patterns of this world. And Jesus says up front, at the beginning, that there are consequences to that. There's consequences to this way of living. Dietrich Bonhoeffer called this the cost of discipleship. And Jesus lays it out for everyone at the beginning that there is a cost. 
But as the theologian Dallas Willard says, there's also a cost of non-discipleship. And that's what Jesus is referring to when he says, for what will it profit them to gain the whole world and forfeit their life? That's the cost of non-discipleship. The Greek here for life, the, our translation, and RSV translates it as life, but it's really suke. It's really this Greek word that means soul or, or very being. The cross is the way of life, but we live in a death-dealing world that was not created to be that way, but that has what, that's what it has become. I took a long walk by the Mystic River this week, and I walked out on one side of the river, and then I crossed a bridge, and I came back along the other side. And the side that I came back on had all kinds of snow and ice covering the path, and it was very windy that day, and it was very cold, and it was starting to get dark. And I realized, you know, I'd been trucking along in my boots, and then all of a sudden there was, um, all this ice, and there wasn't a way around it. But fortunately, a lot of other folks had walked that way, and I realized that if I just sort of aimed my feet for the footprints in the ice and the snow, that I wouldn't slip. The footprints of those who had gone before me had left these indentations, and I could get traction on them, and my feet would be kept from slipping and I could walk safely back on that part of the path. And it's this last part of Jesus' teaching that is where we get our hope and even our joy. Deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. Jesus has gone before us, and so he's given us a path to follow. He's given us his own footprints for us to walk in so that in a, in a world that is cruel and oppressive, unkind, uncharitable, we can still get traction. We can still be pioneers with Jesus of a new way forward for humanity in coming back into relationship with God. We don't have to accept this world on its own terms. There is an alternative. There's another way forward. That's the good news of the gospel. We don't have to be Jesus either, by the way. And I think that's a tremendous source of good news for us. We just have to follow Jesus. We don't have to be him. We don't have to be anybody's savior. That's not our part. We just have to follow. We don't even have to carry Jesus' cross. Jesus doesn't say, deny yourself and take up my cross. He says, take up yours. We don't have to carry his. Our own, <laughs> our own crosses, our own burdens are enough for us. And of course, we don't carry them alone. And we don't set out by ourselves either. We have a community of cross bearers with us, and together we are to be peacemakers and reconcilers and caretakers and restorers and lovers and givers. That's our job, and we do it together. There's lots of people on the path with us. We're not alone. 
Understanding Jesus' teachings and living them out is the work of a lifetime. It's the work of a lifetime. May God give us the grace to honor Christ in our own day, even now. May God give us the grace to live in a way that shows that another way forward is possible, another way of love and peace and dignity is possible for us. And there are costs to living that way, but there's tremendous joy and abundance of life, not only for ourselves, but for others when we answer that call. In God's name, amen.